You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, recorded 6pm on September 24, 2023, presented by Mr. Leighton Rowe. Uh, the passage that I'll be preaching from uh, this evening is found from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 34. Same from verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Uh, this is the word of God. Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer again. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we just thank you again that we can um, finish off the Lord's Day uh, worshipping you and hearing what you have to say to us through your word. We thank you that your word speaks so incredibly into our lives and we just pray heavenly father that you'll speak to each and every one of us including myself here today heavenly father through this passage that you may reveal more of your glory and more of your beauty to us through this passage today uh, and we pray all these things in jesus name amen now there are many different ways we could define christianity today however christianity uh, primarily at its core uh, is about a relationship a relationship between God and his people uh, that the work uh, of the cross has restored. However, because God is spirit, uh, the way in which God and his people communicate in this relationship uh, works quite differently. Uh, Tim Keller in his book uh, on prayer illustrates really well how this communication works. He says this, quote, Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. It is a two-way communicative interaction. Therefore, communication with God always starts with his word. God communicates to us through his word and then we communicate back to God uh, in prayer. Uh, that is why the word of God is so important for us to be constantly reading because it's God's way of communicating uh, to us. And therefore, like any relationship, uh, when um, we start to um, lose touch with the other person, 
uh, we can sometimes become a little bit forgetful and, and lose a little bit of sight on who they are and what they are like uh, at times. Uh, that is why we Christians can always attest to the fact that when we are not soaking ourselves in God's word, we too can become a little bit forgetful about who our God is and what he's like at times, which causes us during these times to sometimes even conclude things about God that are just not true. For example, we Christians sometimes paint God as a, um, a God who is distant from us at times, a God who wonders why he puts up with all of our baggage uh, at times, a God who gets tired of helping us all the time, or even a, a God who we sometimes is, who we fear that maybe he's even given up on us because we continue to mess up over and over again. Uh, and on the other hand, there are non-Christians who conclude things about God's character that is even more wrong. Um, we hear sometimes non-Christians thinking that God hates them or that they have to become more morally good before God even thinks about loving them. And that is why this passage that we're coming to today is so great because in it, God is communicating to us what his heart is actually like towards all people. A passage that shows us that God heart, God's heart yearns for, for you, for all people, for the salvation of all people. A heart that yearns for all of us to endure and make it all the way to the very end. Uh, but before we can get to that conclusion, um, we need to first unpack this uh, passage in detail in order to help us to get to that conclusion. So let's... Uh, so let's do that right now, uh, starting from verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Okay, so Jesus and his disciples are approaching the shore of the lake in Capernaum by boat. Uh, and verse 21 says here that a, a large crowd was there waiting for Jesus to arrive so that they could welcome him back to Capernaum. To Capernaum. Uh, and therefore, what we see here is that this is no ordinary large crowd. This crowd was so big that when it, Jesus' boat eventually lands uh, at the shore and he hops out, Luke chapter 8, verse 42 says that, quote, the crowds almost crushed him. And even later on that same day when Jesus was even walking through Capernaum, uh, Mark tells us in verse 24 that this crowd was, quote, pressed around him uh, on every side. A crowd that was so big that Jesus could hardly have any room to, to even breathe. This is the, the sort of size crowd uh, that was there on the shore of this very lake as Jesus' boat uh, approached them. What we then see uh, as we keep reading is that once Jesus and his disciples arrive, climb out of this boat and step onto the shore of this lake, uh, a synagogue leader named Jairus, um, who was a man of very high standing in this culture, uh, pushes his way through this crowd and falls to his knees right on top of Jesus' feet and he begs Jesus to come with him to heal his dying daughter. Uh, Jesus then stops and immediately agrees to help Jairus and therefore they both start rushing over to Jairus' house to get there before Jairus' daughter dies. However, while everyone is rushing over to get to Jairus' house, this passage all of a sudden introduces us to a woman who is in the midst of this large crowd. And it is this woman's story who we'll be focusing our attention on for the remainder of today. Verse 25. And a woman was there 
who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, back here in the, in the first century, the Jews were commanded to obey what was called the clean and unclean laws. Uh, the clean and unclean laws uh, were initially instituted by God uh, in the Old Testament uh, in order to distinguish the Israelites from the uh, surrounding nations uh, so that they could be set apart as God's holy people. Uh, for example, a person was deemed unclean if they ate a particular food um, or if they had a skin disease uh, or, like in this woman's case here, if a woman had menstrual bleeding. And what happened when a person was deemed unclean uh, was that they were actually um, separated from God's holy people for a time being and they therefore had to live outside the community of God's holy people. And they therefore were forbidden from coming into the temple to worship God with the rest of the community. And this was actually their status for a set period of time until they could be made ceremonially clean again through, through purification rituals. And for women who had their monthly menstrual bleeding, God's law tells us that they were deemed unclean for seven days until they could be made ceremonially clean again. However, for this woman, this is not your normal everyday monthly menstrual bleeding. Verse 25 says that this woman was, quote, subject to bleeding for 12 years. Therefore, this woman, for the past 12 years, has had a disease, a disease that causes constant bleeding. Therefore, what does God's law have to tell us about this particular disease? Well, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25 tells us, quote, When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge. Therefore, according to this passage, for the past 12 years of this woman's life, she was deemed unclean that whole time. What did that mean for this woman's lifestyle? Well, let's continue reading. Leviticus chapter 15, verses 26 to 27. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean, as during her period. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. Therefore, anything this woman touches was deemed unclean, and anyone who touched her was also deemed unclean. Therefore, for the past 12 years, one, this woman had to, would have had to legally live outside the community of people by herself. Two, she would have been forbidden from seeing any other person, even if it was friends and family. Three, she was forbidden from coming into the temple of God to worship God with the, other, the rest of the community. And four, she would have looked down, been looked down upon by virtually everyone uh, in the community uh, in Israel there as an outcast. This woman's status in a first century Jewish culture is pretty much as low as you can get it. We can safely say that for the past 12 years of this woman's life, it has been nothing but misery. She was not touched she was not hugged, she was not loved, she was on her own. Really sad case. 
Therefore, this disease is not some small inconvenience. Now, this is, this is a big deal for this woman. Therefore, she, she literally would have done anything, anything to be healed of this disease and become ceremonially clean again. And that is why we see next in verse 26 how desperate this woman is to find a cure for this disease. Verse 26 tells us that she, quote, spends all she had. She spent all the money she had on doctors. However, verse 26b tells us, quote, instead of getting better, she grew worse. What it seems to be here is that this, this bleeding disease in that time was incurable. Therefore, at this stage, she has probably given up on all hope. However, she then hears news about this new man in town, Jesus of Nazareth, um, who is claiming to be God's Messiah. This man is literally her last hope. And therefore, despite being forbidden by law from, by, for coming into the uh, community of people, this woman is, however, so desperate to see Jesus, so desperate to see Jesus, that she breaks the law and comes into the community of people anyway. And as she enters the community of people, she all of a sudden sees this huge crowd who are pressed around Jesus as they continue to walk towards Jairus' um, house. Huge crowd. Therefore, she catches up to this large crowd and slips herself right into the middle of this large crowd, all so that she can get herself to see Jesus. How confident is this woman that Jesus will heal her? Very confident. Verse 28, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I will be healed. Uh, this woman has faith that Jesus is who he says he is. She has faith that Jesus has the power to heal her uh, of this disease. And it is this faith in Jesus that is the engine that drives her to push her way forwards through this stamp, stampede uh, of a crowd. And what we see next is that she actually pushes her way and squeezes herself into a position where she is virtually within arm's length distance behind Jesus. Now you would think at this stage, this woman would yell out to Jesus and ask him to heal her, wouldn't you? But what we see here is that she doesn't plan to do that. Uh, she instead plans to secretly reach out, touch the back of Jesus' clothes, and be healed that way. And based off what we know about this woman, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, why she doesn't want to call out uh, to Jesus. Because with her current status in society, she probably doesn't feel important enough uh, or worthy enough of Jesus' time and attention. She probably doesn't want to uh, bother Jesus with her shameful condition. Uh, another reason why she probably doesn't want to call out to Jesus is because that would ruin her disguise. Uh, this woman knows that if she calls out to Jesus and brings attention to herself, the crowd would recognize her uh, and immediately throw her out for her uncleanness. Uh, therefore, based on, on these reasons, uh, this woman's plan of attack is in, instead to secretly reach out, touch the back of Jesus' clothes and be healed without Jesus or anybody else in the crowd knowing about it. And what we see next is that she does exactly this. She reaches out, 
touches the back of Jesus' clothes. And then verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Wow. After 12 years of, uh, of, of that constant feeling of blood flow, that feeling was now gone. Oh, how relieved she would have been as soon as she felt it. This is because not only is she now free from the, from the pain and the, and the tiredness and the suffering that this, um, this disease caused for her, but also because she can now join the community of people again. She can now join her family and friends again. She can now be touched and hugged again. She can now even legally marry again. Um, she can now come in and join the temple again and worship uh, with the rest of God's people uh, in Jerusalem. But most importantly, she can now be free from the loneliness that this uncleanness created for her. For this woman, this, this healing is everything for her. And just as this woman thinks that she has now been healed without anyone else knowing about it, we then read this in verse 30. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Now, the first thing we need to note about, here, about this um, part of the passage here is that Jesus' power is not some charged battery that people, um, I guess, can plug in and, and take advantage of without Jesus' blessing. Uh, this is because verse 31 literally tells us that at this stage, many people in the crowd were pressing up against Jesus. Virtually, you know, several people were touching Jesus at this stage, and yet nothing miraculous happened to them. No, God perceived the significance of this one woman's touch. It was a touch of faith. And therefore, God, recognizing this, uh, was actively willing to honor her faith by healing her through Jesus. And therefore, because Jesus recognizes that the Spirit's power had gone out from him, he now turns around and he calls for this person who had touched him to come forward. Quote, Who touched my clothes? He says. But then what we see is that initially no one comes forward. But Jesus doesn't give up his pursuit. Verse 32. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Now there's actually a, a debate today over this particular part of the passage. Um, some well-respected commentators say uh, that Jesus knew this whole time who it was who touched him uh, in this moment uh, because, after all, he is God and therefore knows all things. Uh, however, there's many other uh, well-respected commentators who believe that Jesus genuinely didn't know who it was who touched him uh, during this uh, moment. And now to be, able to, to be able to understand which interpretation is correct here, it's, it's helpful to uh, have a, a small understanding of the person of Jesus. Uh, first of all, we all know that Jesus is one person uh, who is both fully God uh, and fully human. Therefore, Jesus has two different natures, a divine nature uh, and a human nature. And therefore, we all know that 
Uh, his divine nature knows all things. We, we cannot deny that. However, his human nature doesn't know all things. And therefore, what we actually see when we read through the gospel accounts is that there are actually times where Jesus' divine nature does not communicate certain things to his human nature. Uh, for example, um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, 24, verse 36, quote, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, of course, Jesus' divine nature knows when the day or hour of judgment day will be. This is because all three members of the Trinity uh, know exactly um, this day because they all know all things. But then this is telling us here that Jesus doesn't know when the day or hour of judgment day um, will be. Therefore, what Jesus is saying here is that his divine nature did not communicate this to his human nature. Now, this is because when Jesus came to this earth, he purposely limited himself of his, some of his divine privileges so that he could experience being fully human. However, there are certain times in the New Testament uh, where we see that Jesus' divine nature does in fact uh, communicate certain things to his uh, human nature for specific purposes. Uh, for example, when Nathaniel was under the fig tree in John chapter 1, uh, Jesus claimed to have been there, even though he wasn't physically there. Uh, and Jesus was also able to communicate certain things or reveal certain things to Nathaniel uh, that only someone who was actually there by the fig tree could have known about. Uh, clearly here in, in this situation here, uh, only Jesus' divine nature could have known this. And therefore at this moment, uh, it is clear that his divine nature did communicate Uh, this to his human nature. Therefore, based on this knowledge about the person of Jesus, it it could very well be either interpretation without putting any doubts on Jesus' deity. However, the language in this passage uh, makes it very clear that Jesus doesn't know who it was who touched him. Uh, It clearly expresses Jesus' genuine uh, ignorance. Verse 30, Who touched my clothes? And then again in verse 32, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Therefore, I find it hard to believe that that sinless Jesus would ever pretend or fake being so ignorant to something when in fact he knew the facts uh, this whole time. Uh, Now, this this is genuine and authentic ignorance as to who this woman is and and where she is uh, in this crowd. However, despite Jesus not knowing these specific facts, uh, it is clear from this passage that Jesus still knew at least three things. Uh, Number one, uh, he knew that power had gone out from him. Uh, Two, Jesus knew that this person had been healed by that power. And three, Jesus knew that this touch um, was a deliberate act out of faith in him. And therefore, because Jesus senses this particular person's faith, it creates this eagerness within Jesus to speak to this person. Verse 32 again. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. He looked around and he kept looking. Because Jesus doesn't give up his pursuit, doesn't give up his pursuit, verse 33 says, quote, 
And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Now, this woman's fear here uh, would have an element of godly fear in it, a godly fear that is in awe of Jesus' glory and that he just healed her completely uh, of this disease. However, I reckon we can safely say that her fear also included a fear about how Jesus might react. Um, After all, she had just broken the law by coming into the community of people with her uncleanness. And not only has she just made many people in the crowd unclean by touching many of them in this squashed up crowd, but she also touches Jesus without his consent. Anyone um, in Jesus' shoes here in the first century would have been, would have been furiously angry uh, at this woman for what she has done here. And therefore, this woman probably um, was fearful that Jesus might react in this same way. Therefore, she was, quote, trembling with fear. But she still came forward, head down, fell at Jesus' feet and, quote, told him the whole truth. She would have told him about her condition. Um, She would have told him about why she broke the law. She would have told him everything. What we're seeing here throughout this passage so far with this woman is that she is doing exactly what I mentioned at the start. She is concluding things about Jesus' character that are just not true. And maybe you can relate to this woman. Maybe you're a non-Christian here today or or maybe even a Christian. And you too, uh, like this woman, uh, feel like an outcast in society today who Jesus wouldn't care about. Um, Maybe you too, too, uh, like this woman, don't feel like you're moral enough or important enough uh, or worthy enough of Jesus' time and attention. Or maybe you too, like this woman, don't feel like Jesus would overly care about you or your salvation. Um, Or maybe you can't feel like you can relate much to this woman at all, but maybe you can relate more to those other questions that I mentioned at the very start of today. Uh, But whichever questions are are true with you, uh, please stay with me for the next 10 minutes as we encounter Jesus' heart towards this woman. The heart that he has for all people in this world. After this woman tells Jesus the whole truth, Jesus' response to her is this, verse 34. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, first of all, this statement from Jesus here in verse 34 is not primarily about her physical disease, although it does include that. This statement from Jesus here is primarily, primarily about her spiritual salvation. How do we know this? Three reasons. Reason number one, Jesus called her daughter. Now, seeing as though this woman has had a bleeding disease for 12 years, we can all do the math and conclude that this woman, at the very least, is only slightly younger than Jesus, if not the same age or or maybe even older uh, than Jesus. Therefore, the reason Jesus calls her daughter here is, is clearly, clearly, because she is now a child 
of God. Reason number two, Jesus' reference to her faith. Now, Jesus' reference to her faith as the means to her healing uh, also implies a healing beyond the the mere physical healing uh, of her disease. It, It implies a spiritual healing as well. And reason number three, Jesus' words, go in peace. Now, we all know that Jesus doesn't just throw this phrase around uh, in the Bible. Uh, We all know that Jesus' definition of peace is not some cool and calm feeling that you get, like maybe the world defines peace today. Uh, No, Jesus' definition of peace is always peace with God. Um, There is no such thing as peace in Jesus' eyes if a sinner is not at peace with God. Therefore, because of this woman's faith, she is now at peace with God forever. Verse 34 again. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now we all know why Jesus um, persisted to find this woman. It wasn't so that he could get angry at her. It wasn't so he could tell her off. And again, it wasn't so that he could have an encounter with her about her physical disease. No, Jesus persisted and persisted and persisted to find this woman so that he could bring her in to his kingdom. Bring her in to be a child of God. Uh, bring her in to be his. You know how, how eager he was uh, to find her so that he could comfort her with this news. How eager he was to find her so that he could say these words, verse 34, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. As soon as Jesus saw that faith within the touch of this one woman, he did everything he could to find her in the crowd, Um, which is incredible because Jesus and Jairus were actually in a rush to get to Jairus' house before Jairus' daughter died. This was an emergency. Jesus was far too desperate. to think about that. He was far too desperate to find this woman. Verse 30 says that he looked around for her, but even when that didn't work, verse 32 says that he, quote, kept looking. He looked around and he kept looking uh, and he wouldn't have stopped until he found this one woman uh, in the crowd. This is how eager Jesus is to find each and every one of us and bring us all into salvation. And what is even more amazing about this passage is that this woman um, was not even seeking to find salvation from her sin. Um, all she wanted was to be healed of her physical disease. That, that, that's all she wanted. But Jesus saw her faith and still went out of his way to save her anyway. We also saw that uh, back in Mark chapter 2 with the paralyzed man. Uh, like this woman here, that paralyzed man, all he wanted was to be healed of his paraplegia. But again, Jesus saw his faith and he still went out of his way to say these words to this paralyzed man. Quote, Mark chapter 2, verse 7. Son, your sins are forgiven. This again is how eager Jesus is for our salvation. Therefore, it's no surprise then to see in Luke chapter 15 that, that Jesus rejoices Every single time, even when one sinner, one sinner repents and comes into his kingdom. 
It's also no surprise to see in Luke chapter 19, Jesus physically weeping with tears whenever, when sinners were rejecting his message of salvation. This is because this is how much he cares. He cares. Even if you, like this woman, may be the lowest of all lows in society today, then this is still how much Jesus' heart yearns for you and your salvation. This is how much his heart yearns for you and your salvation. And, and even if you're a Christian here today, then this is how much Jesus' heart yearns for you to make it and endure all the way uh, to the very end. He will not give up on you. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Let's just say there is this doctor who um, worked for years and sacrificed much to find a cure for cancer. Um, He puts his life on hold for it. Uh, He quits his job for it. He puts all of his life savings into it. He puts all of his spare time and his social life into it. All so that he could do everything he could to find a cure for cancer. And then once he finds this cure, he he, he travels throughout the world and um, with unlimited supply and offers this cure to all uh, people dying of cancer. Now, if this doctor is willing to sacrifice that much to just find this cure for cancer, then how much joy would this doctor have? How eager would this doctor be to see his cure bring healing to all cancer patients? This is because the more a person sacrifices, the more that they care. No doctor sacrifices that much if they didn't passionately care about cancer patients. But what we see here is that Jesus was willing to sacrifice so much more than this doctor ever did. He was willing to sacrifice glory in heaven. He was willing to sacrifice eternal pleasures in paradise so that he could come down into this world, into our mess, to suffer and die a horrific death on the cross for our sins in order to purchase this cure for us. A cure that will bring salvation to all people. Now, if Jesus is willing to sacrifice that much for this cure, then how much more joy would Jesus have than this doctor? How much more eager would Jesus be than this doctor to see his cure bring spiritual salvation to all people? How much more These are the lengths that Jesus went to to provide salvation for all people. Therefore, all we now have to do in response today is is do exactly what this woman does. This woman was unclean, separated from the community of God's holy people, forbidden from coming into the presence of God uh, in his temple. But it is her faith in Jesus that is the thing that makes her clean again and brings her back in again. What we're seeing is that this right here is the physical representation of how we are spiritually saved. This is because the clean and unclean laws ultimately were about pointing us to what sin does. Sin in the Bible is the ultimate unclean. Therefore, our sin is what makes all of us, like this woman, like this woman here, spiritually unclean for life. 
our sin is what ultimately makes us or separates us from the community of God's holy people. Our sin is what ultimately forbids us from coming into the presence of God in heaven. And our only hope of being made clean from our sins is to do exactly what this woman does. And that is to reach out and take hold of this cure that Jesus is offering to all people and have faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus is the only, the single only way that any of us can be saved today. Now this is how much Jesus, how eager he is for all of us to grab hold of this cure. So don't reject it. Don't reject it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we thank you again for your word. We thank you that we can come to your word because your word communicates to us what you want to communicate to us in our lives, Heavenly Father. Your word is how you communicate to us. And we thank you so much that even sometimes when we can become forgetful at times, um, Lord, that we can go to your word um, to see what you are really like, to see what your heart is really like. And we thank you that this passage just shows us so deeply um, how much you care and how great your love is even for people who sin against you each and every day. We thank you so much for this revelation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. More messages of hope at essendonpresbyterianchurch.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts from.